I think we have a great chance to bring back and invite love into business and not just always think about it's like, oh, I'm going to work and now I'm not going to work. I don't think there is that distinction. We show up at work as human beings and I think we all can show up with a little bit more love. Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's got to be more to life or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, this podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? That one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time. And for us, that's perfect. Because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our personal development without the fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, welcome to our show. Now let's get started. All right. Welcome to the show. Now, before we jump in, I want to make a big announcement. So obviously we have the holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all that stuff happening. And Guy and I have created something, a way to give back to you, our loyal listeners. So you may have heard that we started something called The Collective. What you may have not heard is that right now, not only can you get in for a 14-day free trial to experiment it and see if it works for you, we've also lowered the price from $99 a month to just nine. That's right. You didn't hear this wrong. From $99 to nine. And if you do it now, you can get grandfathered in at that $9 price point today. Again, all you have to do is go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective, satoriprime.com forward slash collective, and you can grandfather yourself in to the collective for just $9. Our way to give back during this holiday season. So if you're out there wanting to make significant changes in your life, wanting to get more peace, more fulfillment, more love in every area of your life, make sure you go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now. I do not know how long we're going to keep this up. So now would be the time to act. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast. I am super, super excited because today's guest is one of the co-founders of probably, I would say, the largest online movement for spirituality and personal development. We co-founded Mind Valley. For those of you guys that listen to this, I'm sure you already heard us talk about it. And he also co-founded a uh, company called Evercoach, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. But really, while we have him on here today, he's about to launch a book called Live Big. If you guys can are watching this on YouTube, you will see it right now. And Ajit Nawalka, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me, man. I'm looking forward to talking to you about this. Awesome. So for those of you guys watching this on video, I just want to let you know, because you can take a look at Ajit and know that he just had a baby four weeks ago <laughs> in a year. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. He's, uh, he's beautiful and been very kind to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> M- most parents at this point are like, huh, what day is it? What planet am I on? <laughs> doing a podcast, which is absolutely <laughs> So thank you for taking time thank out you. to be with us. Absolutely. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, well, let's start with this because it's interesting. One of, the, one of the things that I read in here, um, and I think uh, I love that you, you brought this through, which is a lot of people treat their business like their baby. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, it's my baby, it's my baby. And you actually have a quite a different outlook on this. So maybe let's start with that. All right, so in this book, you, it's, it's basically an entrepreneur's guide and it's, it's a guide about um, things that you've learned in interviewing people, right? Yeah, 
Okay. Interviewing people through my experiences while I was coaching clients, it's it's a mix of all of that. A lot of it also comes from other books and research that we did to really understand what makes businesses and people work in very different reality and very different outcome than simply saying, okay, how do I grow my company and then sacrifice my life in the process, mm. which tends to be a dialogue for entrepreneurs very prominently is that we just put everything on the line. And that just I just found that to be... A, not true. It's not really true that you have to sacrifice everything to create something that's amazing. And secondly, to be able to say, is there an alternate way? And what does that way look like? Yeah, beautiful. And so why don't you actually tell a little, because maybe people don't know about Mind Valley. I'm just assuming that everyone knows about Mind Valley. But... <laughs> Everybody knows about it. <laughs> it's a pretty good assumption. But um, I, you know, maybe just start with, with how you came to know all this and a little bit about your background. And then we'll, we'll dive into the actual book. Absolutely. So I, I was born in Jaipur. Uh, I was 20 uh, in a household of about 23 other people. Jaipur is a small town in India. That's where I was born. And I grew up there as well. And uh, in that household, I, of course, when there are 23 people sharing a house, and this was like my cousins, my grandparents, and all of the good stuff. So extended family. And, and my I'm family. imagining it's not like a 7,000 square foot house that people are living in. No, right? <laughs> no, no, it is a small <laughs> house. And, and so we tend to, share, I mean, we had to share everything, right? Because it's, it's a small house, kitchen was shared, uh, my room was shared with my brother, and it was not like we had different rooms, we just had the same bedroom, was the study room, was the... Uh, was a playroom when guests came over, it was a guest room, you know, that type of situation that, that would happen if so many people are trying to fit into the same house. Uh, so that was our reality. That's where I grew up. And that early on in my life, I, I, I had to, in my teens around, I kind of decided that I needed to create a life that was different than what I was living at that time. Mm. So I was already living my worst case scenario in a way. And I said, okay, so what can I do to be able to create a new life for myself? And I was fortunate to find trainers, educators, teachers, coaches, to be able to show me different ways to be able to really progress in my life. There were leaders in different organizations that I became a part of uh, over the course of the next, from my teens all the way up till up till 20. I had a lot of leadership lessons, a lot of, a lot of dialogues where I was on track to be an engineer and then I, I quit that because I realized that's not what's going to make me happy. So I kept trying those things and a lot of things showed up in my life until about 20 after which I, I finished my work with a voluntary organization, which was fundamental to me learning uh, what leadership really looks like and what is possible in the world. And, and as I was doing that, uh, actually 21, uh, and as, as I was doing that, I, I started to explore more opportunities outside of that realm, joined a media company, became the top salesperson for them over a course of a year, and then, then started a company with them because I wanted to still go ahead and try different things. And as I started the company, the company didn't work out. It kind of bombed. We were trying to start a social media network and Facebook came in. So it kind of like, you know, <laughs> Zuckerberg happened. Yeah, we were a little behind. Damn Zuckerberg. Uh, and and then, uh, then at that time, we were like, okay, so that's not going to, I was like, it's not going to work. I could go back to my job. Or at that time, I realized how powerful internet can be. So Google had been around and, we're talking about like this is year 2008 is what we're talking about. So it's about a decade ago what we're talking about. Um, and, and as I was like going, this is not going to work for me, I said, what is it that is exciting me right now? And that was the internet. At that time, internet was still very new, especially for India. So as I realized that, I, I was like, okay, I'll reach out to all these different friends I've made over the, over the past years uh, from different parts of the world and see if there's an opportunity to learn digital marketing or digital media generally. And, and one of my friends was in Malaysia at that time. And, and when I reached out to him, he said, well, I don't have a big company that does this as of now that has an opening, but this small startup that has like 15, 20 employees with great culture that I think you'll love and was also the, the founders of the company were also part of the student organization I was a part of. Like, you're going to love working with them. Maybe you want to do like a year-long internship with them. Mm. So like, yeah, let's do this internship. And I, I flew into Malaysia and this small company with 15 employees where I started as an intern was Mindvalley. And at that time, it was a small company and it was not a household name, especially if you're a conscious person who's looking to develop yourself personally. Uh, so it wasn't really that known in that realm and that world. And that's where I started my journey with Mindvalley. At that time, Mindvalley was trying to figure out how to make meditation main, mainstream, how to make understanding that you can have it all, like it says on your wall, and I know that's what you guys believe, on how can you have it all 
or why does it look like the world has bias and so forth? So how to really bridge that gap and all that? So Mindvalley was still in its infancy, really figuring out things. Uh, over the next seven years or so, we would build Mindvalley out uh, really powerfully. Today, it is it is a singular platform that operates like a personal development university almost, where you can come in into physical events or digital events and come in and actually learn and hang out with a community of people that are progressive, that are forward thinking, that are looking to create better, looking to create a better world overall. So that's that's really where we are at and that's what we are hoping to do. We are hoping to impact a billion lives across the globe to be able to live a better version of themselves or the truest version of themselves, however that is there. And we want to facilitate that journey. So that's where we built out Mind Valley. At, at that time I became CEO of the company. I was running the company for for a little bit. And um and as I would realize in time that I was running this or doing this dream job or running this dream company for myself with of course a partner in partnership with the founder of the company I realized that I was very successful from the outside as the world would see it mm. but internally my world was collapsing I was having a really hard time uh, building relationships I was having a really hard time health wise I was having a really hard time sleeping like really simple things were really kind of falling apart in life versus of my career. So from the outside, you would go, wow, this kid, kid is crushing it, right? He's like 30 years or something. And he's leading this one amazing organization that's growing like phenomenally fast. Because at that time, we were peaking. Yeah. Like we were really accelerating. So, so that that's where I was. But I, I realized that that was just not me. And I had to figure out something different for myself because I wanted to figure out a life, not just a living. And that, that got me to a different tangent. And, and I, st- I started experimenting how can you have it all? Something that you, again, kind of talk about a lot. How can I have it all? How can I live a life where, where it's it's everything? And I don't have to choose that I can either have a career or I can have a great relationship. I can either, ha- either have health or I can have the experiences that I want to have. I didn't want to pick one and not the other. That I just didn't feel that was congruent to me or how I wanted to live my life. So I wanted to create a life that was comprehensive and had the opportunity of ex- exploring all of it, uh, which would lead me to then at that time, give, kind of quit the job that I was having. It took a while to be able to transition out because I was, of course, leading the company. Uh, but at the same point of time, I, I started to explore other opportunities. I started to build this company called Evercoach, which is also called Mindvalley Teach, which I co-founded with Mindvalley. Uh, and I also started to explore how to live a better, healthy life, how to optimize my time in a way where I'm not doing 20-hour days or 10-hour days, you know, yeah. um, that I can spend time with my family, with my friends, with traveling around the world, just doing nothing, just enjoying the experience of travel, not traveling for work only, which I still do, but also travel for fun and joy yeah. and, and not just have like a five-day vacation, but do a month-long getaway to really just have a good time because that's the type of travel I like, long extended travels where I can just actually understand the country. Yeah, really, and really enjoy the country and really enjoy the foods and cultures and so forth. So all of the things that I really wanted and that as I was living that experience, I also started to test those ideas with some of my clients that I coached uh, as entrepreneurs. And I realized they also tended to be living a life like the way I was living in my past where I thought if I wanted to create a great business, I must sacrifice everything else. Yes. What we found is it's absolutely not true. You don't have to sacrifice everything to build a great enterprise. You can build a great enterprise and you can have a great life. So, so that's I, really I have a question about that. As being, yeah, sure. as being someone who's kind of been on both sides of it, right? Because uh-huh. a lot of entrepreneurs hear that. And then you have, you know, like the Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's and all those people in the world mm-hmm. where it's like hustle grind. If you're not working 25 seven, like there's something wrong with you. And there's this very real message out there, which, which mm-hmm. people really gravitate towards, mm-hmm. you know, you've kind of played on both sides where you had the 20 hour days and really, really mm-hmm. did the, the hustle thing. And now it's obviously mm-hmm. more relaxed, more ease, more flow, mm-hmm. um, in your experience, mm-hmm. Does, did one, did the hustle and grind produce, I'm, I'm just talking business alone, did that produce better results for you? Or now that you're more in this like ease and flow and state, is that actually producing better results for you in your business? So there, it's a multifold answer. Firstly, you need to understand what is a better result. So what mm-hmm. does success mean for you? If success means for you that you're just in the office for 20 hours, 
No, having a chill <laughs> life doesn't do that for you because you will be out of the office in three hours and you'll be like, what the hell do I do with my life? So if you are somebody who just thinks success is about slogging on a computer and that gives meaning to you, well, that's why you should listen to anybody that says you need to do 25 hours a day, yeah. right? So, so I, it, it depends on what firstly right you understand success to be. And that's the first shift that you have to think about. Is this success for me? Is this not success for me? Let's say if you were exclusively talking about that success is directly meaning money in the bank. Let's just say that's the truth, right? Let's say that's the way I want to define success. How much money do I make? Well, you will make equal amount of money doing either of those two. Now make a decision of what you will want to do. So think about it like this. Even Gary Vaynerchuk or, or Grant Cardone or whoever else that is telling you to work hard, really, if you really think about what they do, is they don't necessarily think about how can they work 25 hours a day or 20 hours a day. 25 hours is just, a, of course, a metaphorically yeah. what I'm saying. But they're not thinking about how can I work more. They're thinking about how can I grow more. It's a very different conversation. Their two-minute video is not 24 hours of their life. Their five-minute presentation of what they do in a day is not 24 hours of their life. What are you watching on YouTube? What you're watching on Facebook is their five minutes, two minutes. It's the highlight reel of an entire day. Your yep. highlight reel of an entire day will also show you working really hard. A highlight reel is not your life, right? So firstly, I don't know them personally. I don't look at their lives personally. But first understanding we need to have is that's the highlight reel that you're watching. Yep. So don't fall for the highlight reel, right? Totally. Secondly... If somebody does live a life where they work 20 hours a day, the invitation would be to look at, is that a conscious decision they've made in life where they say, I, my happiness only relies on the acceptance of the world. My happiness only relies on how much money I have in the bank. My happiness only relies on these factors and it has nothing to do with actual success, right? Yeah. Now, lastly, you might look at Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone and wonder, how do these people work so hard? Let's look at some of the people that have probably made more money. Let's say Warren Buffet. Does he work 20-hour days? No, he does not work 20-hour days, right? It, and he's made a lot more money than most yeah. of the other people. The thing that we need to understand is businesses and companies are built on people, process, and product. It's not built on how many hours you put as an entrepreneur. If you put more hours as an entrepreneur, well, honestly, you're probably a really shitty entrepreneur. Which is why you need to work so hard. And I, I don't mean it with disrespect. I mean it with... Uh, with a sense of candor and love for you to understand that you may want to revisit entrepreneurship a little bit because maybe you're just a hardworking guy and so or gal. And so maybe you should just become a freelancer and not approach it like a company, not approach it like a business. And then if you're a freelancer, of course, you'll work 20 hour days because it's all dependent on time traded for money. Mm. But if you're a product builder, if you're an entrepreneur, you know your success. If you don't, you must know that your success will be reliant on how great a team you build what type of processes you have built into your company and what is the product and how results are driven to your clients. If that is happening with your marketing also being in place, you don't have to work 20 hour days because that engine should run itself. Yes. That engine is, is the real reason why businesses become successful. It's not because of the number of hours you put into the business. Now, when I say that, I also feel a Grant or a Gary is not necessarily talking to entrepreneurs. They're talking more to entrepreneurs. People who want to be entrepreneurs, but they're not necessarily there yet. Now, when somebody wants to be an entrepreneur, it takes a little while for them to get that pace to understand what we just talked about. Yeah. And if you are somebody who's listening right now and is going, well, I'm not really an entrepreneur yet, but I want to be one, right? Hey, good on you. The first grind will be hard because you won't start your business by saying, all right, I quit my job and I go start my business. Because that would become <laughs> idea too, right? You want to start your business as you have your job. Right? So you're going to start the business at the same time. So, well, of course, you're going to work a little bit harder because you're doing your job for six, seven, eight hours a day. Then you're coming back home and grinding out for two hours. Yes, you have a 10-hour day, but that's a phase of life while you're building out the business. Right? But once the business is there, once done, the problem is usually when people start like that, their business becomes successful, they don't change. They just keep working harder. Yes. And that's the problem with entrepreneurship. That's the problem where they forget that Gary Vaynerchuk is not sitting saying, I'm going to post every client's every social media post. That's not what he's doing all day long. All day long now he's doing is maybe speaking and talking to his team and maybe hanging out with colleagues or his business partners or whatever the, whatever the heck he does, yeah. right? And that's none of my concern. That's his life and it's great for him. What I'm saying is that there is a different life a person lives when they're really living a business and growing a business versus the life you live and you're trying to figure out what my business even is. 
Yeah. There's this great thing that I, I heard one time where it's like a lot of people are always focused on building their dream. And part of the process, if you truly take this path, it's you actually let that dream build you. And that's what you're talking about, like that growing up process, which never ends. And then it kind of feeds into your business and all that stuff. But for that, you really do have to build a business around something that can bring that out of you, where there's like a desire, a deep, deep desire to fulfill on something like that in the world. I'm curious for you, what was the thing, the catalyst that had you wake up? Again, you had an awesome job in a company that was flying. And like you said, everyone was from the outside going, wow, amazing life, amazing success. What was the catalyst for you to go, wow, I'm not happy right now? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was a lot of things and it was not a, it wasn't like one day I woke up saying I'm unhappy. I don't, I don't think that's, that's what happens. It compounds over time. So, and it was compounding for me for, for a bit, uh, where for, for about four or five months, I was questioning, why am I doing what am I doing? Mm. Right. And, and I, I was starting to lose meaning and purpose in what I was doing. It was great for the world, what I was doing, but it wasn't great for me. I think that's what we forget about purpose sometimes is yeah. yes, purpose should fulfill the world and help the world in some way if possible, but it must also meet our own purpose. It must also give us the satisfaction of creating what we want to create. And I had, I, I was missing that in my, in my reality. And that, that dialogue kept, kept in my mind. I would, I would stay awake in the night. I, I needed a drink to go to sleep. Like I knew that I was, I was hurting myself every single day. It wasn't, and there was a time where it peaked and the peak time happened when, when we were off for our Christmas holidays and so forth. And I realized how lonely I was when I was on just holiday mode. I couldn't shut down my work. And I was like, that, that tells me something about the work that I do. I, it shows firstly that I'm really passionate about it, but it also shows me that the only defining thing in my life right now is my work. Wow. And that would have been okay if that was, for me, it was like, okay, great. What's the big deal, right? Because that might be some of us go, oh, that's great. I mean, you found meaningful work. Like, yeah. it's great, right? Like, a lot of people would go, we don't find that, right? But for me, what was important is to have a meaningful life, not just have meaningful work. Meaningful work is a great, useful thing in a meaningful life. But a meaningful life also includes your kids. It also includes your relationship. It also includes uh, great friendships and, and being able to experience the world as it offers and create things that may not give you any benefit. It may not, might not pay the bills, but you create it because you, for the yes. love of it. Right. Yeah. So those are the things that I think I kind of realized that, that I really want to do. And I really want to dive back in is to really, really dive back into me and being able to say, Hey, I, I want to, I want I think there's more to life than my work. And that allowed me to be able to shift gears and, and take the hard call, even if it seemed wrong at the time. You know, what's the irony in all this? As you're talking, I'm like, you literally helped found a company that that's, I would offer is one of the core messages, right? You're always looking to unlock people's maximum, truest essence of who they are. And it's, what is it like the, the shoemakers, uh, whatever, right? Something like that. (laughs) So it's just, there's a bit of irony in all that, which is, which is really beautiful. Um, Did did you find that you were working that hard and doing all that stuff for, there's a chapter in here where you talk about external validation. Did you find that that was kind of the the piece that had you keep doing what you were doing? Well, there was a big element of it because, uh, and and I talk about it for in context of my mother in that external validation piece that you're talking about. In India, there is, um, there's a, and this is my mom's favorite line, and I know that Indians definitely will relate to it because it does happen in India a lot. Uh, but I'm sure it happens in the rest of the world as well. But definitely in context of India, it's called Lokya Kahenge. And that's ma- Indian mother's favorite lines, uh, which basically means what will people say. Uh, that's wow. literally the translation of, right? So everything that was in my in my world as I grew up was everything was was about what will people say. And that would be the constant reputation that I lived with and grew up with, always being asked as to what will people say? If you do this, what will people say? If you quit your job, what will people say? If you do, mm-hmm. if you quit engineering, what will people say? And that, that dialogue, 
unconsciously became a dialogue in my head, even if I hated that. So I I personally was like, why should I care? Yeah, like for me, I was like, why should I care? Like, it doesn't matter what people say. It's my life. I get to choose. But at the same point of time, because it was always like as, and this is like since my childhood, like as a kid, that was a constant dialogue. I was always being compared. So I think unconsciously, I definitely did care what will people say. Um, and that's why it was hard. That's, I think that's the reason why I wanted to be the CEO. One of the big factors, of course, it was all great company, purposeful work, all of that good stuff. But at the same point of time, some of the driver was validation from saying, hey, I made it. I made it, right? I, I, I had to make it. Because I was the kid who who came from the the house of twenty three, who was not expected to do anything good in life, who quit engineering despite their parents being against it and opposed to it, and, and was doing things that nobody understood because nobody understood in my family even to the till today. A lot of times they don't understand what the heck do I do. So I was like I was the kid who made it. I was the guy who said yay yay. I became the CEO, right? So look at me. But in the process, of course, I, I sacrificed everything that was that was that could have been sacrificed in the process. Wow! And then that just kind of leaves you with this thing of everyone. You know that if you say something to someone, they're going to be like, "What is wrong with you? Like you've built your dream life. Like why would you quit this?" Yeah. 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 I, I think that happens to a lot of people, uh, especially when they have success, financially successful lives. Um, it's very, they feel ashamed to go out there knowing that, look, there's people out here that struggle and it, they feel almost ashamed to come out and be like, I'm not happy because the person looking in going, you have, you know, the million dollar house and the cars and you travel and you have the family and this whatever mega position, blah, blah, blah. Like, what the fuck do you have to complain about? And a lot of times they just swallow it. And so they, you know, drink themselves to, to yeah. sleep because it's like, I, I don't even know who to say this to. Yeah. And that's true. And it's, it's, it is true for successful people for sure because of the validation, because of the new age world that we live in on our devices at all times, or, you know, like everything being seen and heard and responded to every second of the day. And the amount of times you use these devices is insane. And that it's actually a scientific study that somebody did. It's called the social comparison theory, where where we now gauge who we are based on somebody else. Uh, it was always the case as human beings. That's just how we know if you're. It's like you know, it's relativity to to things is what allows us to know if you're you're successful or not, or if you're moving forward or not. But at the same point in time, it has become so prominent now because it's in your face every second of the day. Right. And it's, it's insanity that has taken over our lives as entrepreneurs, as, as professionals, even where we are just constantly looking at somebody else's life and going, oh, I'm not there yet. Yeah. But here's the truth to it. Like we were talking about the Gary Vee's and the Gary Grant Cardone's and anybody else, even me, if you look at my videos, you're looking at what? Two minutes of my life, five minutes of my life. And we think that's his life all the time. Yeah. Right. This conversation is all the conversations that I have. Right. No, that's not true. I, I talk about stuff that doesn't make any like it makes no sense it's stupid it's i watch marvel movies uh i I do all that shit right but but we don't think about that we just think oh this person must always be inspiring this person must always be on point you probably can't have a conversation which is just chill and you're just bullshitting yep this person because they are like in personal growth or whatever that is no that's not true yeah that's not true but we constantly think that's the truth about the other person yes right and so we feel not good enough because we are looking at somebody's eyes, somebody else's life in a small view and going, oh, that must be them all the time. I'm nowhere close to it. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Right? And that kind of kills our dreams so much more. Absolutely. I, I mean, I can say like as a coach and, and people that I work with, my wife and I have had these conversations where because of the kind of work that I do, she has mentioned that she has higher expectations of me like in, in normal day-to-day life. And at the end of the day, I just keep reminding her, I'm like, look, I'm human. I'm going through the same process. Today, mm-hmm. somebody cut me off on the street. I'd love to tell you that I was like, go ahead, sir, you know, but mm-hmm. I did not, you know, I got like <laughs> heated. And right afterwards, I was like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the humanness. Yeah, but that's, yeah, we, we are humans, right? And we forget that. We forget our humanity a little bit there and, and we... And we and we and we think about oh how can I do this or how is somebody else doing this without getting mad at sometimes we do we all all of us get mad sometimes yeah, and we absolutely. piss off and we correct ourselves and we move keep moving forward. 
Hi there, my friend. I just want to take a minute in case you skip the intro to these shows for some reason and let you know that for a very, and I mean truly very limited time, as in this could be gone by next week, Guy and I are offering entrance into our collective for instead of $99 a month for just nine. That's right. You can get yourself grandfathered in for just $9 a month for life now, as long as you head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective. And if you're thinking, I don't know, is this for me? Then I got two things to say about that. First, if you even like this podcast a little bit, you'll absolutely love the collective. We share things in there that we share with our personal clients who pay us tens of thousands of dollars and you can get them for nine bucks. And the second thing is we're actually offering you a 14-day free trial so you can just come and check it out for yourself for free. You have nothing to lose. So again, go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and make sure you lock this thing in before we realize that we've gone crazy and change our minds. <laughs> we look forward to seeing you in our collective. Now back to the show. So let's dive into a couple of things because there's some really, really awesome uh, things that you shared here in this book. So the first I want to talk about is you don't believe or, or Everyone talks about follow your passion, follow your passion, follow your passion. Lots of, mm-hmm. how do I find my passion? Here's how, you know, the nine steps mm-hmm. to follow, to find your passion and follow it. Mm-hmm. So you have a slightly different take on it and you actually call it bad advice. Mm-hmm. So, I, I do. And, and that's because firstly, you need to understand passion and you need to understand what does it even mean when somebody says follow your passion. Yeah. You see, most of the passions that people identify as passions are not passions. They are more of their interests and their things that they're excited about right now. Yes. They're not necessarily things that they're passionate about. They're things that they're excited about because they watched this interview and they looked at somebody and they went, oh, Ajit does this or Ian does this. And so, oh, okay. So that's, that's, that's what I want to do. As well. I, I looked at the podcast. I want to do podcasts now. Right. But that's not your passion. That's an interest that you developed because you looked at something and you went, well, maybe I'm curious about this. Right. Most of us are mo- most of the people when we listen to follow your passion advice, we just follow, we just immediately fall for our immediate interest that we have. In right? the present moment, too. In the moment, yeah, yeah. In the moment, in like something I went to Italy, I learned how to make pasta, let's open a restaurant, right? Yes. <laughs> and that's, 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 that's just not how it works. I went to a personal development seminar. They told me you should write a book. I want to write a book. That's not you following your passion. That's something that piqued your curiosity, piqued your interest, and you said, that's what I want to do. But that's not how you find or follow your passion. We are all multi-passionate individuals, which means you're passionate about multiple things at any given time. You're passionate about it. You would love to do them. But most of these things that you're multi-passionate about will not stick around more than, say, a couple of days. Right? Yes. You will think about it for a couple of days. And if you didn't do anything about it, you'll probably not do anything about it going forward from there, too. It'll peak and it'll go away. Right? But most people think, oh, that's why I... I Say what? And then you'll beat yourself up. <laughs> and then you'll go like, oh, shit, I didn't do it. Like, I never followed through them. Then you'll yep. come up with a new self-sabotaging story. Or if it doesn't work, you'll be like, oh, it doesn't work. Everybody talks this. This is bullshit, right? Exactly. All of those dialogues are not true because you're actually starting off wrong. You're starting on the wrong foot. What is really your passion is things that have stayed with you for a lifetime at this point, mm. right? Which has stayed with you for 10, 20, 30 years, even when nobody was watching, nobody was listening, nobody gave a shit they still stayed around with you is when you know that this thing is what you're passionate about. So let's say you like to draw and you've been drawing. And even if you never show your paintings to anyone or your drawings to anyone, you still like to do it. And you're pretty good at it as well. At the same time, maybe, and again, I will come to why maybe, maybe that's your passion and maybe that's a viable business solution that you may want to get into. Right. But you want to first ask, is that fine? Is that actually true? right? Is it something that has stuck with me for a long time, right? Now, when you find something that has stuck with you for a long time, and hopefully it will not be just one thing, it'll be probably two to three, maybe even five things that are really like sticking around. And you're like, okay, this thing, you know, I keep going back to it and I love doing it. I don't care if anybody reads it. I don't care if anybody watches me do it. I just care that I'm doing it. And if you're an extrovert, yes, you may like that everybody talks about it, but it's not that that doesn't stop you from doing what you do, right? And sometimes these things are things very simply, like I like talking to people. Right. And just like being surrounded by people or throw parties or whatever that is. Right. It doesn't have to be a introvert type of thing where you are saying I'm all by myself and I'm still doing it. It could be you throw parties and bring people together. And that's what you love. And that's fine. 
right? So you want to find those three to five things. And once you've found those three to five things, what you want to see, and that's the big mistake that most people do, is not every passion is profitable. Some passions are profitable, some passions are not profitable, and then they're going to be a much harder pull through for you to really build a business around it. And small or big business doesn't matter, but it'll be a really, really hard thing for you to build a business around it because it's just a just not a passion that's monetizable. There is no practicality attached to it. And so you might end up creating a business around it, but you will never be able to pay the bills. So yeah. you want to be careful about the passion that you pick. And I'm not lot most of the passions are monetizable unless you're trying to build a hundred million dollar company. Right? If you're trying to make a couple of hundred grand, most of the passions are very monetizable. But if you want to build a big company, not every passion is very monetizable, right? So you want to look for passions that are actually practical purpose in the world, which can be delivered into a useful product, and then we can build a business around it. So not all passions are to be pursued as businesses. One of your passion that has stuck around for a really long time and has a practical business approach to it, and you can create real results for your clients, that's the passion you want to pursue. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. How did you know what your passion was? Uh, So I kind of lost my passion and found my passion again, right? So as a kid, I would write poems and stories just for myself. Like it was my diary. I would read them as a really, uh, really, really early in my life. And this would be in Hindi at that time. Uh, I started reading poetry. So this is things I would read beyond my, like, like, you know, school books, right? The have to list. I would do. Yeah, the have to list. Like I, I was never a reader per se. I am now, but I was never before. The, the thing that I would have picked would be poetry books or story books or comic books. And I would spend like, I would just read them, right? And you would think, oh, it's a kid thing, right? Kids do that. But I would read poetry from philosophers. So this was not some bullshit poetry by, for kids. This was poetry from philosophers. I was not even a teenager at that time. As I went into my teens, I started to write those things. I started to write poetry. I would write short stories. And, and I would contribute sometimes to my school magazine, but a lot of times it was just for me. Like it was just a way I was expressing myself to myself. So it wasn't going out to anyone. It was just staying with me. And, and then I, was, I thought this was just a teenage thing. And I, I was like, okay, as I got into career, I did the student organization, I started getting jobs and so forth. I lost that passion for a little bit because I wouldn't, uh, I, I wasn't really practicing that just because I got busy with like life, yeah. right? But the moment I kind of shifted and came to this company, Mindvalley, what had happened was, because in marketing, you have to write a lot, or at least you need to know about copy, you need to write. I started writing like wholesale letters, and I'm not a native English speaker. So for me, it's really, theoretically, it's very tough to write, right? Mm. And that's why I write with a lot of grammatical mistakes, and somebody has to check. Don't worry, my book doesn't have grammatical mistakes. I got two editors to check it, to make sure I did not like make it unreadable. But, but my first draft is always like really shitty draft because I'm not a native speaker. So in my mind, I would write like Shakespeare, basically. So you can make sense of it, but grammatically, you'll be annoyed as hell because you'll be like, what the hell? The is or an R and this and that. I was like totally messed up all the time. Uh, but also, that's why you will see it's very interesting to read what I write because they're all these short sentences. Yes. Now you know why. <laughs> because I'm not that smart. <laughs> now you know why, why they're yeah. short sentences. Because I, I, my grammar and vocab is limited. Interesting. So, so anyways, so I started writing emails and sales letters and I realized that I could like, I hadn't, I had no reason to write them because we had copywriters. Like we had copywriters that could write those, but for some reason, and they would constantly get annoyed at me because I would, they would be like, Achit, you assigned this task to me. Why the fuck are you writing the sales letter before I have, I have a timeline. I, I don't have to deliver it for another week. Why did you write the draft? Yeah. Right. And I wouldn't understand at that time because again, you're in the world, you know, you're in the thing of things. And you're like, I don't know. I just, I, I just wrote it. That's like, hey, if you want to use it, use it, I'll throw it away. Right? So I was writing, but I forgot why I was so excited to write at all times mm. until when I went back in and I dove back in and, and when I was being CEO and running the company and all that good stuff, I was like, and I would write memos to the company and they will be like, they're still documented memos that will stay in the company even after three years of being the CEO. They're still one of the first things that the employees read wow. because I would write these long memos to them which would give an insight about how to approach life, how to approach business, how to approach their jobs and so forth. And, and again, never drew context of why the hell I was doing all of this. Only when I, when I said, okay, this is done. I need to find myself again. I found, oh my God, I, I, I had always been excited to write. And then I kept writing without knowing why I was writing. But that's one thing that has stayed with me all this while. I have written for years at this point 
And I never really practiced it. Like I didn't take any training on it. I was just writing, right? I took some copywriting training, but never really took effective writing on how to write a book effectively or how to structure stories properly, all of those things. I just didn't because that wasn't what I was doing. But I was like, hey, I actually like doing this. Why don't I just do this full time? So now all of my writings, all of my social media, all of my books, all of my emails, sales that are to some degree uh, are all written exclusively by me because that's what I like to do. So in my company, that's my job is to write. Wow. And that's what I really do. I, I hire for everything else. Uh, but what I do is what I like to do. And that's why I do it is I just write. Amazing. Yeah. I, I A lot of the times I feel like this is the thing that someone would do regardless if they were making money or not. They just, the, it, it is part of who you are. You, you find people might ask you for this. Like if you're an expert at something, they'll like, naturally ask you questions about this in your free time you're just doing it um but for me i know when we started this business and i was in a really really like horrible financial place when we started this business um but i i knew that i had two options either to go back and you know be a desk jockey at some place and resent my life and and everything around it or um I could take a risk. And the question I kept asking myself, I was like, if I, if money wasn't the driving force, what would be the thing that I would go and pursue? And it was difficult because money was really like, I, I needed money more than ever. And uh, luckily I have an absolutely amazing wife who, who supported me during this process, but it, it really is. I think people get a lot of misinformation. So I, I'm really glad that you brought that because I like that distinction. It's, it's uh I'm highly interested in this for now versus like I've been doing this for decades without anyone even noticing. That's a really, really powerful distinction for that. Beautiful. Um, okay. The other thing that I, I loved um, because we as coaches, one of the biggest things we talk about all the time is this system that we have in here, the feeling system that for a long time, everyone's been told, especially men like, you know, grow up, be a man, you know, don't cry. So it's like the feeling system has, has been kind of put aside. And I think now there's this reemergence of that in the world where it's okay to feel and feel all of it, not just like the good stuff, but just to feel all of it. And you, in one of your chapters, there's a lot of people talking about like visualize your success, visualize your success. What does your success look like? And, you know, picture the house and picture the car and picture who you're going on vacation with, et cetera, et cetera. And you added this piece, which I don't think enough people talk about, which is asking the question of what does your success feel like, not look like. And I mean, we kind of touched on it before with the social media thing, like, Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about that because I thought it was really powerful. Yeah. So so what happens is because goal setting and the way goal setting is done, we tend to have goal setting, which is like, oh, I'll have this house, I'll have this car and all of that stuff, right? And And they seem like the right goals. They seem like, oh, yes, I would really enjoy having them. But through my experience and through the experience of many other people that we research, we talk to, we, we engage with and coached as well, we found that a lot of times what success looks like on the outside is not really the truest definition of success for an individual or for the person or shouldn't be. Because what happens is as you lean towards getting that success in the physical world, you forget emotionally how you should feel about it, right? So what happens is you tend to have, and and think about it like this, why is the divorce rate for entrepreneurs so high? It's, I think, about 10% higher than normal people is entrepreneurs divorce about 10 or 15% more. The depression rate is about 10 or 15% more, right? And, and these the reasons for that is because you tend to create the outside physical world. You get the picture-perfect marriage, but you forget the marriage is not about picture-perfect. Mm. The marriage is about how you feel inside the wedding, the marriage. How do you feel when you actually hang out with your partner? How do you feel when you actually just sit and talk, right? What is the feeling that you get as you are going through life? And that is what real success is. It's not about what it manifests outside and how it looks like because it will look different for everybody because we have our own unique experience. And sometimes in the chase of how it looks like, we forget to ask ourselves, do I even want to be there? Like remember the story of when I shared, and I'm referring back to my story because that I can definitely share for certain because that's the experience that I've had for sure. 
is you can get to a title and look like that you've got the success and absolutely not feel it. Yes. Right. Big and, time. and if you have, if you have set goals for yourself, the car, the house or whatever that is, and you're met even one of those, go back to that moment and think about how you felt. Yes. Right. You will see, you might have felt really good in that moment because you felt, yes, I got it. But then it faded away. And the reason like is that. because that's not like that, right? Maybe for a week is maximum that you will feel really great about it. But after that, it goes away. And the reason is not because, because you didn't really associate success to that thing. You just thought this car will finally mean I mean something. It, you're more looking for acceptance yes. than for a truest form of success, which might be honest to you, right? So it, it, it's all about honesty, right? And car can be honest. I'm not saying that... Don't get the cars to the houses. That's not what I mean. But know why you're getting the car and the houses, right? You need to know what you will feel like when you have those things versus just saying, I got to get this, 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 because you might have all of that. And then after that, feel absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, the, the, a lot of our clients start working with us because they've checked every single box, you know, they sold their business for the amount that they wanted. They bought the this, they went to that, they have this, they have that. And it's like, you check the box, you think that that's going to fill that void that you have inside. And like, it's like you said, the void is really, I want to feel loved, or I want to feel accepted, or I want to feel worthy, or I want to feel good enough, right? And then you do that and you feel that for a little bit. And then like the bandaid comes off and then you, you feel the hurt again. So you push yourself again. And the most demoralizing day in these people's lives is when they've checked all the boxes. Because yeah. if you check one and then you still have like five to go, you're like, okay, that one wasn't it. And you keep mm -hmm. going. But when yeah. you check the last one and you still feel the same emptiness inside, that's like the gut check, holy shit moment where you're like, yeah. what the hell have I been doing my whole life? That's exactly. That's so true. That is so true. And it does happen so often where you say that because again, you think it's a checkbox list. It's not. It's how you feel. It's how what's real for you, what's real honest for you. And these are tough questions to answer. These are easy words that we are saying right now. And I know sometimes people go, what does it even mean being honest with yourself? Well, it's hard to be honest and real with yourself. It's hard. It's not something that you go, oh, I'm being honest with myself in this moment. You're not. Most likely, you're basic, you're, you're most likely living a reflection of what's surrounding you. Yes. It's actually not really honest to you. Most of the time, I'm not saying it's true for everybody, but most of us live a reflection of the world that we have around us, which is why it's important to have the right kind of world around you, but to also know who you are and what is honest to you. Not the best version of you, not the prettiest version of you, not the sexiest version of you, the, the honest version of you, because that's the version that is the best, is the sexiest, is the prettiest, because it's honest. Yeah. I actually, uh, a year and a half ago, so we were very, you know, goal oriented in our company for a long time, which there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I just found that for me, the way that I operate, you know, like you get to that last bit, like you set the goal for the year, right? And then you get to this time, like this time of the year, right? People are freaking out right now because they're so far away from the goal that they created that big, awesome goal. Now their entire system is in full on anxiety, overwhelm, all their stuff is kicking about like, I'm not good enough. I always fail. I never get it done, which I know like when you're in that place, you're not producing your best results, period. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot mm -hmm. do that when you're in that state. And mm -hmm. so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something new. And what I tried was how do I want to feel? Like mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't focus on the number goals or the size of the company growing. I was like on a moment by moment basis. How do I want to feel? And what I have found is that by focusing on how I want to feel, your circumstances around you actually mm -hmm. align to you feeling that way, which mm -hmm. brings the opportunities, which brings, you know, in our case, like the clients and things like that, because that is now in my true alignment of how I'm choosing to feel on a day by day basis. And it's been revolutionary because A, there's an ease about it. Right. Mm -hmm. There isn't this like somewhere to get to. It's a, mm -hmm. in the present moment. How do mm -hmm. I want to feel? And if I'm not feeling that way, then I have different things that I can do throughout my day to like bring me back into that alignment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's just been huge when we started doing that. It's really shifted things.
That's very true because purpose is not where you get to. Purpose is what you are. Yes. You live it every day. And as you live it every day, you, there is no place to go. This is what it is. Alan Watts has a beautiful line in one of his lectures. And Alan many. Watts was a philosopher, yeah, among many things, one of his beautiful lines. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing him right now. He says something to the line of that in, when you're listening to music, the, the quality of music or how good the music is, is not defined by the last words or how it ended. Because if that was the case, the best music would just be the last words or the last beat, wow. right? But that's not what music is. Music is about enjoying as the music goes through the ups and the downs and the high notes and the low notes and all of it. Yes. And so think of life as music. Yes. It's all of it. And that's why you don't, you don't say, let's play some bad music right now and then we all create the book music. No, you just play <laughs> the good music. Yeah, let's just play the music as it comes and then as beautifully as we can in that moment. You don't wait for the music to become beautiful. Music is beautiful right away as we start playing it, right? So that's the invitation is to start thinking about it that way. And here's a side note for anybody that is thinking about setting a year-long goal. Setting year-long goals is, is coming from the reality of our childhood and our schooling system. Probably. Because our schooling system gives us grading structures that we are graded and judged on that every year. And so we think we need to have yearly goals. Life's not year, lived year to year. You're not going to die at the end of next year. You're not dying end of this year, right? Life is not year to year. Life is life. It's a long-term thing. You, you might live for the next 30, for the next 100, depending on where you are, how old you are while you're listening to this, right? So you might be living for whatever length of time that you're going to be living. You can actually have longer-term goals. And here is the reason why I suggest long-term goals. And by long-term, I mean at least five years or even 10 years from now. And the reason for that is when you have some goals that you've set for five or 10 years or visions of yourself for five or 10 years from now, it makes it much easier for you to actually come through and realize those goals. Here is the challenge that happens with a year-long goal. And that's why at three-month mark, there's tons of resources that have been done. Three-month three mark, 70% of people would quit on their goals. Well, the reason why you quit on your goals is because three months into the goals, you've set up this obnoxious goal for yourself because you think after the end of next year, you're going to die. And that's why you set this stupid ass goal for ourselves. And then in three months later, we realize, oh, this is overwhelming. It doesn't make any sense. Screw it. I'm not going to do it. And then you quit on it. That's the process of it. Yes. Instead of set a five-year vision for yourself instead of that year-long goal, well, you're not frustrated at three-month mark. Secondly, most likely, whatever goal you were setting for one year, you will probably set the same or just a little bit more for five years from now. That means there's just a marginal gain that you want to make in five years, but everything in the next one. That's like, you see how ridiculous that is. We want to get everything in the next one and then do very little for the next four. That's not going to happen. I mean, we also know ourselves that that's not going to happen. So what if we had a five-year goal? What if we have a 10-year goal? What if we thought of life as how life is, which is it's a full-on long-term play. And yes, we don't know when we'll die, but honestly, that way, we, we, we should enjoy the moment because of that. But yeah. we shouldn't get frustrated and anxious because a year-long goal is not mad. Yes. To use that music analogy, which I love. I never actually heard that, him talk about that. The, the other piece that I, I could throw in there is you also wouldn't enjoy if the music was the same music all the time. Oh, and absolutely not. It's yeah. so locked, right? Like life, I don't know, I, every person I've ever met, Life never goes like this. Your health never goes like this. Your relationships never go like this. Your business never goes like, like there is waves, ebbs and flows to literally every area of your life. And music, if it was just like one type of like happy th 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 music, you would, yeah. it would be so boring. It's like a movie soundtrack, even, right? Has the, you wouldn't realize, you won't yeah. even realize it's a happy music if it's always happy music. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> acknowledging that wherever you are and whatever it sounds like or feels like in your life right now, just to enjoy that. I, I said to Jip before, like with kids, one of the things I learned is you will never get this moment back mm -hmm. ever. Like, you know, you change your diaper, you do this, like, but that's this time changing that like you will never have that experience with them being that way ever. And just knowing that like, even on this journey of entrepreneurship, Yes, you're going to have days that are, you feel on fire and everything is flowing. You're going to have days where you're going to want to pull your hair out or hide under your bed. And loving all of it uh, makes such a huge impact 
when you're going through it. Because if you're like, I just want that, I mean, you're, you're setting yourself up for massive failure before it even starts. Um, okay, here's what I want you to end with. Um, at the end of the book, you just package it so beautiful. You called it argument for love. Yeah. And I would just love for you to kind of like as the, 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 the final message to all those people building businesses to like get clear on why it is that you're doing what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So my belief is us as human beings are inherently good. We are all good individuals trying to do good in the world. Even if there are challenges, we have our perspectives. We have our lives that have given us certain ways of approaching things. Even if we say hurtful things, do hurtful things, we are inherently good people who want to do good. And we just approach it from a different perspective. And so sometimes it's hard to really see it, but we're trying to do good. We're trying to be good people. We are not trying to hurt other people. And in business, what happens or what had happened and what continues to happen is often because of competition, often because our dialogue stays in the place of saying, how can I get ahead or how can I win? We tend to forget that we as human beings can create a better reality in context of business and in context of life if we just stayed honest with ourselves as human beings. And as human beings, we are lovers, we love not just a nice sexual way with, that we have with our wives and husbands and so forth, but also in way of how we love humanity, how we love kids, how we love friends, how we love family, how we love our team members. And if we could switch our gear and ask ourselves the real question of saying, hey, when I do business, can I do this business with just who honestly I am, which is a, a bundle of love because that's what we really are. Men or women, it doesn't matter. That's what we really are. Right? We express it in different ways. But if we can show a little bit more love to our clients, if we can show a little bit more love to our family, our, our team members as family members, if we can show a little bit more love to our product or our process or whatever that is, I think we have a chance. We have a chance to create amazing businesses and an amazing life. I think we have a great chance to bring back and invite love into business and not just always think about it's like, oh, I'm going to work and now I'm not going to work. Right. There's no I don't think there is that distinction. We show up at work as human beings. And I think we all can show up with a little bit more love. Yes. And I would just add one thing. Also showing love to yourself as you're going through that process. It's so easy to like love this love. And like I know that there are times where (laughs) where you want to direct all the love inwards because we are so hard on ourselves. Entrepreneurs are so driven and so goal oriented and like have to move forward all the time. I was laid up in bed with the flu like two months ago and everything inside of me, I could feel just, just like, I got to go, like I got to do, I got, and I was comatose. Like I couldn't move and learning to love that was just, you know, showing that to yourself. So thank you for, for bringing that into the world. Uh, It's a message that is desperately needed in, in a time where, like we said, with social media and social comparison and looking externally for everything to just get grounded in what it is that you're actually producing in the world. And I, I'm in full agreement with you. I think all the most successful, integrous, ethical businesses are shining their version of love, their gift onto the world. And, you know, we see how that's received. So awesome. All right. Let people know when, how, where they can get the book. So you can go get the book at livebigthebook.com, L-I-V-E-B-I-G-T-H-E-B-O-O-K, livebigthebook.com. And as you'll get the book, you will also see right now we are running a special offer where as you get the book, you also get a 21-day program, which is basically a reset to redesign your life from living from a place that you're living at right now to live a life of choice, which is life of living big. And that is the program called Art of Living Big. It's a 21-day program that we give away as bonus as for you to be able to take the decision of getting the book right now. You can, as I said, order the copy on livebigthebook.com. And we hope that we'll be able to support you, have you live, have you live a big life. Yeah, guys, uh, from a gentleman who's been through it, as you've heard here, um, and also has had the privilege and honor to be surrounded by some of the best and brightest minds in the world. 
Um, there's a wealth of information that we didn't even touch on here today. Um, Ajit, it was an absolute pleasure to, to have you here and share this time and space with you. So thank you for taking time out of your day to, uh, to be with us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. And for everyone else, we will see you next week. As always, if you have any follow-up questions about anything that was said here, please feel free. Email me directly, elon at satoriprime.com. Have an amazing day, everyone. Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. Like I said, you can even try it for free for the next 14 days. I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients and those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just $9 a month. Again, satoriprime.com forward slash the collective. And as always, we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show. So if you head to iTunes and leave us a review right now, you could actually be next week's lucky winner. And lastly, if you do want to connect with Guy and I, head to Facebook right now, join our personal development without the fluff private group, ask for permission. There's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well. And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time.